Are you tired of being told what to think and how to act? Well, you are not alone. In case you haven't realized it, you have an internal GPS. It knows all you need to know about how to live your life. So it's about time you stopped letting the media and the government tell you what is true for you. In fact, it is exactly that time. It's time to think for yourself. And here to make sure you're doing just that is your host, mediator, author, and lawyer, Carol Gold. Hi, it's Sunday, January 28th. I'm Carol Gold, and welcome to Think for Yourself. It's hard for me to overstate how difficult this podcast will be for me. And hopefully at the end, I will say that it was hard to overstate how easy it was for me to do. And the reason I say that is because I'm going to attempt to share with you some very personal thoughts and experiences because I have a mission. And my mission is to be as authentic with you as possible in this podcast more than ever before because I had a realization recently, and that realization I think is about to change my life or has already, and if it's meant to, will positively affect or perhaps even change yours. So let me go back to how all this began. The week before last was a very difficult week for me. My daughter was in from out of town. She was staying with me supposedly only for four days. But then on the third day, I have two cats, and one of them, who's 11 years old, was 11 years old, she, be, she had been ill, and my daughter and I took her to the veterinarian, and with no intention to put her down, that's what we wound up doing at that visit. It was unanticipated, it was clearly needed, but we weren't ready for it. And so if you've ever lost anyone or anything, as in an animal, it's never an easy thing to do. And the aftermath if you're remotely attached to your heart, is very painful. As if that were not difficult enough, 48 hours later, my remaining cat, who was very young, he's three years old, had a seizure for the first time ever in front of my daughter in the living room at about nine o'clock at night. He just collapsed and went into seizure. So she became panicked. We scooped him up. We took him to an emergency vet and we spent the next nine hours at an emergency vet all night long. And he was critical. They told us he might not live the night. It was something very unusual and he did survive, but it was a grueling 48 hours having just put the other cat down. And now this one was in a crisis situation. I was able to bring him home the next day, but it was touch and go for several days. He's now on the mend. And I think it was those two events combined with seeing the impact it had on my daughter. She stayed, she extended her stay because of just how emotionally distraught both of us were and to help me with the other animal that I decided to do something I'd never before done in my life. I have avoided all of my life sort of self-help guru kinds of people, going to seminars, taking courses. I've always shied away from them. I always thought they were very cultish and not something that was consistent with who I am or how my personality operates. But during the height of all of this, I received an email to a Tony Robbins event. 
And it was free if you were on Facebook. It was $47 if you wanted to become, quote, a VIP and be on a Zoom screen along with him and all the other attendees. And for whatever reason, I paid the $47 and I took the three-day training, which ended yesterday, three hours a day for three days. So let me share first some of my thoughts about Tony Robbins and then move on to sort of bigger issues. I think he's genuine. I think he's caring. I think he's learned. And I think he's incredibly charitable. And I believe that what he does, he does from his heart for, let's say, all the right reasons. But when you boil it down, his entire message is that we're energy And in order to live a positive, productive, and forward-moving life, you have to raise your energy. You have to get it up to a certain level and then perform at that level because it's at that level that you can maximize your effect and your outcome. It was shocking to me in a sense because I have been writing about, speaking about, podcasting about energy for decades. My book on Amazon, The Questions God Will Ask, Prepping for the Final Exam, is just that. It's a book about 12 frequencies of energy tied to words that we use like love and joy and change and fear, etc. Everything he said, everything Tony Robbins said for three days, everything he taught, I know. I know it. I know it in my head. I know it in my heart. I teach it. So it begged the question, what's the difference between Tony Robbins and me? If I know everything he knows and I feel the truth of those things, what's the difference? And the difference was obvious to me an instant. The difference is he lives it and I don't. Now, Number one, that's a very difficult admission to make to myself and to make over the, over the airways. It's not that I don't live any of it. I live a lot of it and I've progressed in my life in applying and living much of it. But there's still critical knowings that I have that I don't live. I mean, I have done a podcast called Higher Ground I do this podcast, and those of you who listen know that I do it for the sole purpose of bringing you a positive message in the most dire circumstances or the worst stories that are in the news. I always have the higher message, the positive takeaway. And yet, in my own life, I always see what's wrong first, and I worry about everything. And Robin said something. He said, What's wrong is always available, but so is what's right always available. And I said, okay, my focus is wrong. That's one thing that needs to be corrected. And he did a little sample exercise in showing you how you see only what you want to see, and it's very true. And I was actually almost motivated when the upsell came around, which is to take the next level of seminar, which is now $495 and 12 hours a day for three days on Zoom, I was going to allow myself to be upsold, which was astonishing to me, until something was said 
by someone brought on the show who was also brought on, I say the show, the seminar, who was also brought on for a brief 10-minute presentation, which was also part of an upsell. It was an individual who Tony Robbins had helped change his life, as he has done for so many people, apparently. And he told his story about his connection to Tony and what Tony's done for him. And then when he was finished his story and he was closing out his segment, he said this. He said, if you're new to Tony, you definitely need to take the March training. And if not, then you need to take it again. It's time to take it again. And I thought to myself, what? Okay, if you're new, maybe, but if you've taken it before, why do you need to take it again? If what you get is the, the format, the system, the process by which you can break through, elevate your own energy, manifest what you want to achieve in your life, set your goal, and then figure out why you want it and then move toward it consistently, why do you need the next training? Why the next upsell? So let me digress here for a moment and talk about not Tony Robbins, but Esther and Jerry Hicks. If you know those names, it's because you know the Abraham channelings. Abraham is an entity, an energy that Esther Hicks and her husband, Jerry, Esther has channeled Abraham for decades. And there are books and there are seminars and there are workshops and there's all kinds of teachings out there that came through Esther, supposedly from this out-of-body entity called Abraham. And the teachings are quite profound and quite interesting and powerful. In the teachings of Abraham, it's taught that there are two ways to accomplish what you want. The first is unwavering focus. You put your mind on something and that's your goal and nothing takes you away from that goal. Nothing diverts your attention. The more you're able to do that, the faster you're able to get where you want to go, so to speak, the faster you're able to manifest. Now, the trick with that one is the difficulty is that no one is able to focus uninterruptedly for a sufficient amount of time in order to do a complete manifestation in a very short period of time because we get distracted. A noise, someone knocks on a door, a phone rings, even our thoughts take us away. And the minute you break the link from that unwavering focus, it's as if you weren't even trying to manifest. So that's a very difficult way to try to manifest instantly, so to speak, what you want. The other way is extraordinary emotion. If you have extraordinary emotion, you can probably accomplish what you thought was impossible to accomplish. And the example to that is the mother who sees her child trapped under a car wheel, an automobile tire, and she's able to lift the automobile to get that child out. Under normal circumstances, that would be physically impossible. But she is so charged and so in such an extraordinary emotional state that she's able to do that. I have examples in my own life of applications of this. So let me say that growing up, I always saw myself going to law school. I didn't do it without interruption. Those thoughts came and went. But when I did think about it, even as a teenager, I saw myself in a cap and gown. I saw my parents so proud of me. I saw myself graduating law school. 
Now, it took me until I was 30. I graduated law school at 37. No, I passed the bar at 37. I graduated law school at age 36. Things got in the way. My focus was not uninterrupted, but I got there because I never stopped seeing myself graduating law school. Similarly, when I would drive to law school, I went to law school in Delaware, I lived in Pennsylvania, and to get there, I often took back roads through Delaware to avoid main road traffic. So every day I went to law school and I drove the back roads of Delaware and I would see these incredible farmhouses with post and rail fencing, which I just loved. If you don't know what that is, it's like horse fencing. It's their posts and then the rails go across. I saw those homes, I saw that fencing, and I knew exactly how I would love to live in one of those houses. And when I graduated law school in my 30s and then got married in my 40s, the home we bought together that we found through an ad in a, in a newspaper at the time was in fact one of those farmhouses that I had seen in Delaware, exactly one of them. And the very first thing we did when we moved in was we installed post and rail fencing. And there was the image, the vision that I had always had every day when I drove to school. The other thing is, and this is slightly off, but again, it's in the same direction. I stopped smoking. I stopped smoking in my 20s. I started in my 20s and I stopped in my 20s. And I had tried many methods to stop smoking a staple in my ear, substitute filters, you name it. If they had it, chewing certain nicotine gum, nothing, nothing stopped me from smoking. Two packs a day in my 20s. But one year I was at a Jewish holiday dinner on Rosh Hashanah and there were about 12 people present and they were all strangers. I didn't, the only one I knew was a professor I had at school and she had invited me because she knew that my family lived elsewhere. And I smoked. And there was someone at the dinner who was a chemist. And he said to me, why do you smoke? It's so bad for you. And I said, well, I can't stop. And he said, you know, I've listened to you all evening. You're a very intelligent young woman, but that's the dumbest thing you've said all night. You can't stop. And I thought about what he had said, that I couldn't stop. That somehow I was incapable of stopping. And so after dinner, I went up to him and I said, you know, I'm going to give cigarettes up to God for Rosh Hashanah. And he said, don't say that. You're, you're not going to keep that. And that's a vow. And you're making a vow to God. And don't say, I said, no, no, I give cigarettes up to God for Rosh Hashanah. I never smoked again, including the very next day when a friend of mine drove out to a suburban Philadelphia resort town to spend the day and walk the river and have lunch. And she smoked Newport's, my cigarette, all the way out in the car, all during the day and all the way back. I never wanted another cigarette. My belief in God was so strong, my belief in a higher power, that having said I give it up to God for Rosh Hashanah, I simply lost the desire to smoke. It was the belief that enabled me to do that. The other thing is that when I said I couldn't stop smoking, I thought about my father. When I was growing up, my father, whenever he read the word can't in a book, in an encyclopedia, anywhere, he crossed it out with a magic marker. And all the books in my house had the word can't crossed out of it because he was adamant that the word can't is limiting. 
And in fact, when anyone told him he couldn't do something, he became kind of hell-bent on doing it. And I grew up the same way and became the same way as an adult. When someone tells me I can't do something, I become determined to make it happen and have done that repeatedly in my professional life. So there are four things that I took away from the Tony Robbins seminar. I took away a lot from the seminar, but let me just share with you these four. And this is my compilation, not his. I put this together from what he said. That action, which is experience, your own personal action, it's like fuel. It gives you more power to do the next thing. Because if all you do is have a belief in something, and I've talked about this before myself and written about it, a belief means you have faith and trust in something that you've not experienced. But action is direct experience, and direct experience brings you certainty, and certainty is power. And then power leads to making progress, and progress leads to happiness. The opposite of all of that is victimhood, because victimhood is powerlessness. Victimhood is what everyone runs around yelling now who's politically left. Every group is a victim in some way or another, and because they are, they want special rights. But victimhood leaves you powerless. It makes you feel that your ability to prevail or achieve or move forward is dependent on what someone else does or doesn't do. And that just isn't true. We all have in our lives, and if this is somewhat disjointed, it's because I'm still putting it all together. We all have in our times, bad times. We all have tragedy, misfortune. We all have obstacles that we encounter. And Robin said in the, in the seminar, you ask yourself, is God punishing me or is God challenging me when those things happen? And that's a, that's a sentence that causes you to stop and think, right? So this morning I was talking to a Catholic friend of mine and he was saying, he was telling me a story about one of the saints that he has studied. And apparently she started out as an ordinary woman that Jesus called to purpose, to mission, whatever. And she went on this mission. She had to go to this city and she had to make these proclamations and make these changes. And it was a monumentous task. And right before she entered the city, there was a like a ditch in the road or a hole in the ground. She fell in and she got soaked from head to toe in mud and water. And she kind of called out to Jesus and said, this is, this is what you do? I'm, I'm on this mission. I'm doing what you've told me to do, what you've called me to do. Is this how you treat the people you love? And Jesus replied, it's exactly how I treat the people I love. Why is that story important? And why did I not take the upsell from Tony Robbins? The reason is, our object in life isn't to avoid or to deny or to try and circumvent the bad times, the hard times, the tragedies, the losses, the obstacles. In fact, it's the opposite of that. It's to fully embrace them and thereby bring meaning to what we call suffering. You know, Holocaust survivor Viktor Frankl wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning. And it's a powerful book. And in it, he says, the difference between those who were able to survive the Nazi concentration camps and those who weren't was often the difference between those who could bring meaning to suffering and those who could not. 
Because if there is no meaning in what you are experiencing, it has no value. It has no purpose. And if what you are experiencing is suffering, suffering with a lack of meaning causes you to lose the will to go on. There was a couple that the Tony Robbins seminar held up as an example of how the process that he teaches can help people move past difficult times or obstacles. And this particular couple at the end of day one of a live seminar he had given in the past, because he, this was a video he inserted into the seminar I took on Zoom in the last three days. This couple at the end of the first night of the live seminar went back to their hotel room and the wife shared with her husband that she had had an affair 12 years prior and never told him. And his reaction was, well, we're going home tomorrow. He was done with the seminar. He was done with her. And in the morning when he got up, he kind of changed his mind and he said, no, let's go back. Let's go to the day two of the seminar, which was not typical for him. And so Tony Robbins had them stand up and go through a process that he teaches on how to bridge the gap or resolve the difference. He had the husband ask her how she felt and what it was she was experiencing as a result of sharing the adultery with him. And then he had the husband share back what he felt and what he wanted from his wife and going forward. And the whole thing was very kind of cold. As I watched it, I thought to myself, okay, so we went through these steps and she hugged him and he hugged her and they kissed and everybody oohed and odd and clapped. But what happened to the vow she broke? What happened to the adultery he got hit with in his solar plexus the night before? What happened to the betrayal? What happened to the breach of trust? They didn't process any of that. And I don't believe you can go far. I was a divorce lawyer for 15 years and I've had my own. I don't think you can go forward when there's a breach of trust and sweep it away as if it didn't happen. It's an incredible wound. I thought to myself, what's wrong with all of the gurus and self-help people? And I'm not diminishing. I'm not Tony Robbins. He has, he has accomplished a phenomenal success in his life. He feeds millions of people every year. He helps people all of the time. But we live in a world where everybody wants a fix, a quick fix, and they want somebody else to give it to them. And yes, you have to do some of your own work when you're working with Tony Robbins. You have to actually do the steps. But it's missing that component of what do you do with the suffering? What do you do with the adversity? What do you do with the emotions that accompany the kind of devastation that the death of a loved one provides, for example? or even the death of a cat, if you love them. I learned a lot in the Tony Robbins seminar. Mostly, I learned that I know everything he knows, and I just have to live those things that I know that I haven't been living thus far. And I don't need an upsell, and I don't need anybody else to get me through it. I need to just do it. It's like the Nike logo, right? Just do it. The fact that I know it intellectually, the fact that I teach it, the fact that I have a website about it, fearless change, in a sense, I've been hypocritical because I haven't been fearless around change, not the things that are hard for me to change. I may have been fearless around the things that weren't so hard for me to change. They could be hard for you, but they weren't hard for me. 
everyone has their different, so to speak, crosses to bear. And if I have not been courageous around the things that are hard for me to do, you know, in Kabbalah, in Jewish mysticism, it's taught there's no credit for what you can come into life and do easily. If it's easy for you to walk away from an argument, you only get credit if you learn how to stay. Whatever it's easy for you to do, there's no credit for. There's only credit for overcoming the hard stuff. As I said, I learned a lot in Tony Robbins' seminar. And when the third day ended, I decided, yes, I'm going to implement some steps that move me in the direction I want to go in, in the particular area that I know I'm weak in, lacking in, need to kick up my own game, need to raise my own energy. I did. I took some steps last night. And as I was about to go to bed, I thought to myself, what's going to keep me going? I understand the point is you've got to stay on track. You've got to stay committed to the decision you've made. Just like I knew I'd always be a lawyer. Just like I knew I'd own that house, that farmhouse with that post and rail fencing. What's going to keep me on this one? And then I thought of the cat that I had to put down. She was very loving, very affectionate. She was by my side all the time. She slept in bed with me. She was very attuned to to me, and she was very loving in her nature. I never saw her strike out at another animal. I never heard her hiss. She hardly meowed at all. She was just sweet, and everyone who met her thought she was sweet. And when she died, the house was missing that energy. I could feel it. It was visceral. And last night, when I was thinking about how I was going to stay motivated to do the things I know I need to do, to be more loving in my own life, to be more, to be warmer in my own life, to be in relationship better in my own life, to even have relationship in my own life. I thought about something that Judaism teaches, and here's what it teaches. That when someone dies, the way you honor them in the highest possible sense is you take one of their best qualities and you live it in your own life. That's how you honor them. Carry it forward. So I thought about my cat, the gift she really had, which was the gift of warmth an expression of unconditional love and affection. And I said, I'll do it for her. I will carry beauty's highest quality forward. And by so doing, be more loving, be warmer, be more available for intimacy in my relationships with people, be less in my head and more in my heart. So no, no upsell for Tony Robbins. Bless him for all the good he does. And for me, it's to no longer try to teach and preach and write about fearless change without doing it. It's in the doing. Having a thought is one level of making something real. Speaking it is the next level of solidifying that thought into full manifestation. But doing it is the trifecta. Think, feel, do. That's a message not for you. It's a message for me. And if it happens to help you, I'm grateful. 
Thanks for listening. I'm Carol Gold. I'll be back here again next Sunday. And until I am, by all means, think for yourself. Carol thanks you for spending your valuable time with her. It is her mission to empower you to remember how smart and capable you are. Be sure to check out Carol's website, carolgold.com. That's Carol with an E, gold.com. Please leave a review and subscribe here so you'll be alerted to Carol's next podcast. Until then, above all else, remember, it's time to think for yourself.